I mean, they're all boils on the asshole of all shit coinery. Like I put out yesterday, like, you know, this isn't even like a level, this isn't even a level three boss. SBF is like a level two boss. Like on a scale of one to 10. Are we talking Dragon Ball Z bosses? Mashinsky was like, you know, if you have to give everybody a number, he's level one, right? Um, but level three is like Andreessen Horowitz, Vitalik, you know, there's, there's some, some bigger beasts. This is the Blue Collar Bitcoin Podcast, a show where average Joe firefighters explore the most important monetary technology of the 21st century. We talk Bitcoin, we talk finance, and we talk shit. What a crazy week it has been, plebs. Welcome into what we hope is a rational and intellectual Bitcoin oasis amidst a crypto industry desert. This week, the CEO of Swan Bitcoin, Corey Clipston, returns to assist us in lambasting the unscrupulous and destructive crypto and shitcoin industry. Joining him is Dom Bay, a career Santa Monica firefighter and a Bitcoiner, with an incredible story to share about responding to a 911 call at last week's Pacific Bitcoin conference. In this hour, we talk firefighting and paramedicine. We explore details surrounding Corey's early involvement in unearthing the Alameda and FTX disaster. And we outline how and why these bear markets and contagion events work to highlight Bitcoin's uniqueness and actually strengthen its use case. A brief roadmap to this hour in case it's helpful. Up to about the 28-minute mark, we shoot the shit, talk firefighting, and recount the wild emergency event from the conference. Afterward, we focus on FTX and crypto contagion dynamics. We have some exciting news for firefighters. Swan is planning to offer Swan Premium services, usually $20 a month, free of charge for those in the fire service. Get access to exclusive research reports, educational content, and books, huge discounts on Bitcoin products and services, privileged access to many SWAN events. You can get all this for free if you're a firefighter at swan.com fire. Of all the months in the history of Bitcoin where cold storage is of the utmost importance, this is it. Folks, Bitcoin is the first truly decentralized digital bearer asset it redefines ownership in the digital age. These events of the last couple weeks have shown us who actually owns their Bitcoin. We implore you to take true ownership of your Bitcoin. The device we rely on to do this ourselves is the cold card. Why? It's because it's Bitcoin only. No shitcoins allowed. It's built with more security features than any competitor in the space. It's easy to use, but not too easy to use meaning it actually teaches users to grasp the fundamentals of how cold storage and interacting with the Bitcoin protocol really functions. And it works with the best collaborative custody products around, such as Unchained Capital. If you own Bitcoin and you're serious enough to listen to a Bitcoin podcast, start taking these steps. You can use promo code BCB, that's promo code BCB, for a discount on the cold card at coinkite.com. Alrighty, plebs, enjoy this romp with Corey and Dom. All views and language expressed by the hosts and guests in this podcast are solely their personal opinions and do not reflect their employers or organizations they are associated with. Do not treat any of the content in this podcast as investment advice or as an inducement to follow a particular strategy. This podcast is for entertainment purposes only. Oh yeah, dude. I got married in Palermo, Sicily, and same thing. It was like the spread, they, it was cheap. It's like... You, you, it's like not even close to what you can get there for for uh, the price. Yeah, dude, the wedding racket in the U.S. is just bullshit. 
you got to get some of that artwork to Mahler. So for his interviews, he can have some on those shelves behind him that are always empty. I should send him some shoes. It feels like that thing needs yeah. shoes. Yeah. Basically what I heard is weddings are shit coins. Yeah, yeah exactly. If we're going to talk about scams, weddings are top of the list. FTX maybe just, you know, reigns in just slightly under them, but weddings and art. Yeah. Pure scams, shit coins. They could get that money back quick if they just went into the wedding uh, business like one year, probably. Yeah. <laughs> so I, I have a little bit of a different perspective, not to chew airtime on a Bitcoin podcast, but uh, chew it. I, th I think spending some money on a wedding and making people come from like far and wide for it and making a big deal about it makes it more of a commitment mm. and it makes the bar for uh, ending something like that uh, a bit higher. Yeah. And so I really like that. Yeah, I mean, or it just makes it more painful. Yeah, whichever way you want to look at it. <laughs> Either way. Either way. <laughs> we're live, by the way, boys. We're 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 rolling we're here. Oh, we fully expected these these guys. Yeah. You'll just be like in the middle of saying some like horrible shit, and like Dan will just hit record in the middle of it, <laughs> and, just catch you and then you're on YouTube. If we're in the middle of talking about artwork, artwork and scams, this piece of art I have behind me, it's a crypto graffiti. I was going to buy it at the Bitcoin conference last year, but I waited because nice. I was like, I don't know if I want to buy it. So like I got this urgency like two months ago. I was like, I have to have it. So I found I found what appeared to be a Bitcoin magazine site that was selling it. So I was like, fuck it, I'm buying it right now. Sent like 800 bucks worth of Bitcoin to this website and then like have a panic moment where I'm like, holy shit, I'm pretty sure I just got scammed. And I texted Dan. I was like, dude, I think I just got fucked. This website, they didn't send me like a confirmation, nothing. So we yeah. knew a couple of guys at Bitcoin Magazine and I emailed them. I'm like, dude, I think I just got scammed. Is this legit? And they're like, uh, it looks like it's not, man. We think you just got scammed. Thank God, though, it turned out that it was some old site that they had, I don't know, lost track of. And they were like, no, it's legit. We'll send it to you. It's all good. So but it was I still had, like, them. It was still them, <laughs> but they had like a dead site that I had found somehow. And yeah, so it turned out okay. But I thought for sure I was fucked for like 12 hours. It was a He was panic stricken. I've never seen him so scared. Um, it was rough hey boys thanks for hopping in here today by the way thanks for having us we're, we were talking some firefighting shop Corey, before you got in here dude i love it get after it yeah we'll get we'll get to that we we got to start with an intro because Corey, you've been on here twice dom who are you dude give our audience an intro and then we're going to get to the story right off the bat because you're on here today for a reason yeah so uh, Dom Bay, uh, Dominic Bay for, for my Christian name, um, uh, <laughs> from, from the Bay area, grew up in Oakland and, and lived in Oakland and San Francisco growing up, um, moved down to LA, became a firefighter. I've been a firefighter for 13 years, um, got into crypto, um, specifically, you know, this is going to hurt the viewers real bad. I'll start off with like a, a low blow to the gut, but I worked actually an Ethereum conference. We're done. That's <laughs> it. Done. <laughs> now we both shit coined. Don't worry. Yeah. The, the, um, but got heavily, you know, into Bitcoin and really interested, uh, of course. And, um, and so, yeah, you know, working as a fire captain now, and, and, uh, of course we'll get into this crazy story but that's my my uh, little brief story for our firefighter listeners uh we apologize this is the blue collar bitcoin podcast and josh and i actually wear blue collars at work wear blue shirts mm -hmm. we've not had a fire captain on here we have uh brought on a white collar officer onto the show um we'll get through it we'll figure it out but uh yeah we got we may have a snake in the nest here josh with a with a captain on the show 
Yeah, we got to watch him carefully. You know, he'll be sending us to do some bullshit at one o'clock in the afternoon when it's nap time. <laughs> when we want to be researching for tomorrow's episode. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like what? Guys, I hung out with Dom all last week and I can say like I didn't detect a <laughs> bit of uppity. I'm 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 a working captain. My my crew will attest. Um, I'm sure. Actually, if you got him on here, they'd be like, "Yeah, he says he's a working captain." But but uh, no, you know, uh, it's in in our structure. We all wear blue shirts. Um, the battalion chiefs and above wear black shirts. So so I mean, you know. Uh, so you actually do wear a blue shirt. I do wear a blue collar. Right. So accepted so, uh, here. Yeah, I guess it'll pass muster. Are your so captains are in the union? Your, or what? where does the cutoff happen for you folks? Uh, our union is up to battalion chiefs. So okay. uh, we, we have up to battalion chiefs uh, and, and, and pretty much as like a, for the Santa Monica firefighters union and for most firefighters union, um, like responding to 911 calls, like they're all in the union. So that includes the battalion chiefs. Cool. Welcome on the show, man. Your yeah. second firefighter, Mags Granowska, is a firefighter up in canada i think you're That's number a two name right there we're, we're honored yeah, to uh, have you mags was there last week uh i don't know how you describe you guys probably met because she was at all the vip stuff too yeah she uh, she sent us pictures with uh sailor which was pretty uh pretty awesome yeah they were really cool yeah. i connected with uh, of course after you know Corey brought me up at the at the rap party there was like three two firefighters storm they're like we're firefighters too you know and and bitcoin <laughs> and and i was just like cool man like you know um but that was pretty cool we got to hear the story yeah, yeah. we got to hear this uh, hold on before we do that what kind of first time podcast guest has a professional mic that's like a this good dude? question Let's what's hear going it. on so so i'm a co-host on my brother's podcast which is called bridge to bridge podcast i'm like his little uh sidekick but um cool show if you guys ever want to listen in um we we have like bay area folks that that um are from the bay area working in different industries of all types um and so i have the mic already so i, f I figured i'd lend you guys some uh some quality audio while i had it uh on hand Marin County native over here. If you ever want me to come on, that's right. That's that's. Oh, dude, that'd be awesome. We, and I I figured that because when you said you were from the Bay Area and I saw the three point shot, I was like, oh, that's Marin <laughs> and above because only only Marin and above shoots fifty percent and and better from beyond the arc. It's like a wait. So Corey, used, was that six three pointers in a row? Or what, tell us the story about that real quick before we keep going here. Sure. Yeah. So yeah, I was just like I was off all morning, you know, and I didn't quite know when it was and I was getting pulled in to do different things. Obviously, like this is the first day of the conference. It's our first one ever. So I've got people, you know, coming over and telling me to put out fires and stuff like this. But I knew I wanted to participate in the three point contest at some point. So I got out there a couple of times earlier in the morning. Uh, it, this was not a home court thing. They put up the court the night before. I didn't have any practice or anything. And man, I was like, I have been talking so much shit. <laughs> on Twitter and in person and, you know, in the team and everything about basketball, like, you know, for years now, and especially all this year leading up to this and posting videos. And, you know, we got a bunch of real actual basketball players on the Swan team too. Like the guy that organized the whole magic money court is on the Panamanian national team and plays pro ball in Norway. Uh, two or three of the guys played D one. So I had like, I had a big, a big check to write. <laughs> Yes, you did. <laughs> so, the one thing I will say is uh, 
I did have enough juice being the organizer to go last and to know what score I had to beat. So I went last in the first round and I think, you know, came in, had the second best score or something. And then in the finals, even though uh, pr- Captain Youth, by the way, uh, the rapper is a beast of a basketball player. Evidently, he's got a bunch of friends wherever he's from that play D1 and D2 and he just plays with them all the time. Very good basketball player. Anyway, so he posted a huge number in the first round and he went uh, second to last in the last round. Luckily, he was a little cold uh, and he only made six. And so so the secret was I was off all day. Every time I took a shot, like my elbow hurt, my shoulder hurt, which means that you're like clinching up and you're not loose. And then I like at some point I forgot that there was going to be a three point contest later. And uh, I met up with my buddy Alex Holmes, uh, the, the Trojans football player. Uh, and uh, we did a shot of whiskey at the VIP bar. And then I went back outside and uh, then I found out the contest was happening. And all of a sudden I was just like loose. It's like spaghetti, man. It's like ready to go. Anyway. So yeah. So the, uh, the finals, uh, I knew what I had to beat. Captain youth had six. I had uh, three balls left. Uh, Was that right? No, I had had three balls left and I only had four. I was like still shooting pretty shitty in that. But uh, that's usually when I like to actually concentrate. So I made made the first one, made the second one. So now I'm at six and I'm tied and I can just shoot the last one and try to win. But I was like, you know, just winning a three-point contest, that's not going to go viral. That's not going to be like a cool moment. Let's just like maybe make this thing a little bit legendary. So I stepped back about eight feet to the uh, to the swan circle, which was, uh, you know, probably three or four past a pro three pointer and uh, and then waited for the clock to wind down and talk some more shit. (laughs) And luckily it went in. I was going to say that looked like about a 30 footer on Twitter. Probably about a 30 footer. And uh, yeah, yeah, it went in, which was pretty dope. And then uh, then I uh, took the mic and I said, what the fuck did I say? FTX is a scam. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, that's a double slam dunk right there, man. That was a, that was a nice shot. Well, all right, let's hear the story now. We got to transition over to the story because I really, I really got to hear this. Dan and I have been sitting on eggshells for the conference ended and our Twitter just exploded. Everybody was like, "You got to talk to this guy. You got to talk to this guy." And we're like, "Yeah, all right. Perfect. You don't have to say it twice." Uh, let's hear what happened. It sounded like it was. Really cool. Not cool and then cool. Uh, walk us through it. Let me, let me just do a couple of sentences and then pitch over to Dom because he was, he was the man. But uh, So Zach Zager is uh, one of the younger members of our team, super hardworking uh, analyst, does a lot of you know, data crunching and stuff like that. Everybody loves this guy. Um, so, of course, when they all got in town, you know, everybody wanted to do fun stuff. They were going out for runs. They were going to the beach. They were going to bars, et cetera. On Wednesday morning, this is the first day of like official conference events. We're putting on this big, you know, pre-industry day for venture capitalists and all the speakers and, you know, a handful of, of like VIPs and, uh, and a bunch of the swans decided to run down to the beach and get in like an early morning swim. You know, they're all from like the Midwest and, you know, other places and 65 sounds warm to them. So <laughs> So they're running down on the beach and they're jumping in the surf and having fun. And uh, I'll let Don pick it up from there. Yeah. So, so um, while they're doing that, I'm pulling up to work, as you guys know, firefighter, you know, checking my gear, um, checking a bunch of stuff. But that morning 
there was some other stuff to be checked. And that was like, where's Bitcoin at, right? There's a lot of stuff going on, you know? So I'm, I'm like, you know, being who are, you know, I'm yep. look, I'm, I'm there. I got the text thread going. I'm like, all right, let's get the, who's, where, where, where are we at? Where are we going? Like, let's talk shop, you know? Air pack, cardiac monitor, Bitcoin price. That's, That's how we roll yep. in our agency. That's yeah. Pretty accurate. So then um, we get a call, call goes off. Um, and, uh, we just get a call for, uh, someone on the beach, uh, an injury. So we cruise that way and, uh, pull up to a scene where, um, Zach and his buddies and the rest of the Swan guys are there and every, everyone looks good. You guys, you know, nothing, nothing like you're not pulling up like, oh my gosh. Um, but Zach's there. He's, he's kind of got some neck pain. Uh, we get the story, uh, and they're like, hey, we were there diving in and Zach thinks he hit his head on the bottom. Um, and and uh, we're checking it out. And you guys know this for, as being firefighters, like this is one of those calls where like you're you're kind of thinking like you want to just hang out with the buddies and see how you feel and like call the doc in the morning. But, you know, working on the West Coast and and going on a lot of ocean incidents, like you just like diving, neck pain, ocean bottom package him up like that's it so uh my crew which which uh, uh i had my guys with me were stone crosby and gleave awesome they package him up get them all squared away the whole thing tape collar to the backboard i'm telling zach i'm like hey you're gonna hate me after this because this thing is like not comfortable it's pretty cold out um and so we're going up to the to the uh, to the hospital and you know we got to tell him like there's always that moment, like, should I go? And it's like, Hey, look, like, again, they're probably going to check you out and you're going to get a bill and it's going to suck. But, you know, I don't know what to tell you other than like, this is the safest way to roll. And he was cool. He's like, all right, let's roll. So we're going up and I'm like, Hey, what are you guys doing in town? And he's like, Oh, we're, we're here for this conference. Now, ironically, I was scheduled to work the Pacific Bitcoin conference as like a fire safety officer that Friday, this is a Wednesday. And so he just says he's here for a conference. I'm like, hey, dude, is is it the uh, Pacific Bitcoin conference? And he's like, yeah, dude, like, how'd you know? And I'm like, dude, I'm working it Friday. And he's like, I'm with um, one of the groups putting it on. I'm like, Swan, uh, are you with Swan? He's like, he's like, yeah, I'm with them. Um, And he's like, yeah, I'm a Bitcoin analyst. I'm like, Bitcoin (laughs) analyst. I'm like, bro, can we talk about something that's on my mind right now? I'm like... I'm like, number one, I'm not into reading signs, but like Bitcoin drop below 17, you dove in at tower 17. Like what is going on, dude? Like I'm like, 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 is it, are are we saying don't dive in? Like, I'm just saying, like, I'm not trying to overread stuff. He's kind of laughing. So, you know, cheered him up some on the way up and, uh, yeah. And you got to be like, dude, your your pain's like a ten out of ten, right? You need some ketamine. Here you go. Let's find. <laughs> let's dive into this. The, uh, yeah. ke- the pool of ketamine here, buddy. Let's really hear what's going on with Bitcoin. Spill your beans here. Let's yeah. see what's really going on at Swan. Tell me the truth. Here's the ketamine. Oh, dude. Find out a lot sure. of shit about people when they're on ketamine, man. <laughs> Learning more about Josh every time I come on. Yeah. <laughs> we don't we don't have ketamine, but if we did, that's that's yeah. Uh, you guys don't have the special K yet. You will. No, no, yeah. In all, in all, so we're diverging here, but for the uh, medics and fire I can't be on screen with this kind of chat. <laughs> ketamine, ketamine's actually an unbelievable pain medication. We've it we've is. carried fentanyl for years. We had morphine years ago, then we had fentanyl, and I, and in all seriousness, just from an EMS vantage point, 
in, in the two or three years we've had it, it's incredible at helping people through some really significant pain. It is. We're like, it's becoming our go-to pain med. Morphine, as you guys know, like the morphine sulfate, that's kind of that, that care that we carry. It doesn't, I mean, I've been on, on, you know, elderly patients who have like hurt their hip and you'll give them a little bit of morphine and they're like, yeah, I, you know, I'm noticing no difference in the pain. And that kind of yeah. sucks. We have the same experience with, with fentanyl, which is just a synthetic morphine. And it's very similar. I think it's just the dosages they trust us with. They're like, these dumb paramedics aren't going to be able to handle if, you know, they stop breathing or whatever. So they give us such small dosage amounts that it doesn't yeah. usually help them much. The ketamine yes. usually does do a big, it does help them significantly better in my experience. County's pretty big. So we usually have a very conservative, um, like protocols to make, you know, cause it's such a big County. Um, so, so yeah, we're going up though. We're going down the, the rabbit hole. We're talking shop. Um, I'm letting him know like, Hey, we're going to the trauma center. So like 40 people are going to walk in and they're going to be prodding you, asking you questions all at once. Don't worry. It doesn't mean something's wrong. That's just how they operate. So we get there, um, and drop them off. And, and a lot of times we don't hear how things turn out. So I show up Friday, uh, and, and connect with some of the staff and Corey and I'm like, Hey, what's the deal? You know? And, and, uh, and well, so I didn't know that you'd already connected with anybody. I was just kind of feeling like it's veterans day. And I always try to like, you know, this is Friday the 11th and, you know, two grandfathers have fought in the South Pacific. I'm always just kind of like got an eye out for service people every year on that day. And, you know, so I see the dude and all the fire equipment just kind of wandering aimlessly scoping things out. So I just went up cold. I didn't know who he was. I didn't know there was any connection to this guy that was working on Friday, nothing. And, uh, just went and introduced myself. And I like, after we said hi, like I immediately launched into this story about Wednesday, not knowing that he was the guy at all, which was pretty neat. Yeah. It's that is crazy. Yeah. yeah. So, you know, so I think I told him that I was going to try to give him a shout out at some point during the day. And then, uh, so anyway, yeah, keep going Dom. Yeah. So, so they, they let us know, um, Hey, you know, he, he had, uh, a break in his neck and his spinal oh, cord shit. was dislocated. Broken neck, yeah. dislocated spinal cord. Yeah. And um, <laughs> immediately, like, wow. the, my, my stomach, you know, I get that feeling in the pit of my stomach where you're like, man, thank God we just did yeah. the right stuff, right? Because you guys 100%. know as firefighters, like, a lot of times we deal with patients like, hey, these, these guys are just there for the conference and, like, a little, a small injury. Like, no one wants to be at the hospital for six hours get a right. bill afterwards, but you know, it's just a good reminder. So I call my crew and I'm like, guys, guess what with that call? And they're like, they, they already like, I don't have to say anything. And they go, his neck was broke. Huh? And I'm like, yes. And they're like, Oh my God. So, um, you know, they said he was, he had, um, full senses and, and like full, full, uh, uh, use of all his limbs and no deficits. And so good. just thank, thank God, um, that it had a, a good ending. And, um, yeah, just a crazy. I mean, that's just the beginning, though, of the conference and the events, yeah. right? Because it's a roller coaster after that. Um, it gets crazy. Oh, so, dude. All right. So now I have to tell the next piece of the story. So on Friday, we've got like the Compton Magic there. They're playing against the professor. They're doing a dunk contest. This is like the top AAU team in the country. Um, we've got some NBA players walking around. Like it's a pretty live day. We had another concert. You know, the, the, the Magic Money Court was hopping. 
anyway, at some point there was, uh, like, uh, in between things, I had an opportunity to take the mic. I saw Dom, I went and grabbed him. I brought him over and I told the story, you know, up to that point, basically, and that, that Zach was going to go into surgery the next day. So we didn't, we didn't know if it was going to go well or anything. And, uh, so after kind of telling the story and, you know, everybody's cheering on Dom and everything. And I'm like, hey, Dom, like, you know, get out here and uh, toss up a couple shots, you know, cause I, we'd talked and I knew he liked basketball, whatever this dude's in like basically full fire, fire captain gear. He's got a giant ass radio hanging off his belt. He's got a baseball hat, you know, pulled down low. I'm like, this is like the least basketball looking outfit that I could ever possibly see. This guy <laughs> takes the ball walks over to the left baseline three-pointer and goes, yells out, this one's for Zach. I'm like, no, <laughs> like there's no fucking way. Like you're going to jinx the shit out of this. The surgery hasn't even happened yet. <laughs> Motherfucker does not hit the rim. Just pure fucking tickles the net swish. Walks off the court like, like that's how it always happens. <laughs> luckiest, luckiest shot, uh, you know, uh, uh, in a long time, you know, I was like, I wasn't thinking Corey was like, Hey, take a shot. I'm like, shot. I, I can't even get out of the, out of the, out of the uh, uniform here. Like, so took the shot. Thank God it worked out, gave a little extra, uh, hopefully a little extra vibe sent towards, uh, the, the, the UCLA Ronald Reagan. Um, yeah. Man, oh no, we, was- we told him, we told him it happened before his surgery. Yeah. Yeah. How'd so- surgery go? Great. Great. Awesome. That's good to hear. Dude, Zach is going to be in a neck brace for three months and then he can go skiing. Might even make the, uh, might even make Jackson hole, uh, summit. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Yeah. he's already like back on the team slack, like answering questions and shit. I'm like, bro, you like, you did just break your neck. Like you could take a week off if you want. (laughs) Dude, what a story. Seriously. But before we get to Bitcoin, it's seriously, is a good reminder for any EMT or medic out there. Like you, you take cervical spine immobilization seriously, C spine on a thousand calls, and you're like, it starts to feel monotonous and overkill. But that's why we do it, man. You yeah. never know that one case. It's so hard to tell and parse it out uh, amongst all that. So, hat tip to you guys for being by the book and potentially saving his ability to have access to his limbs seriously that's epic yeah unbelievable thank you for sure for sure no a good reminder like it's like hey you just you you treat people like uh, it's your family member you know and and that's how we always try to do it so one other story that was pretty good and and Corey you'll like this one because he told me after so at the rap party Corey, you know graciously calls me up um that was that, I mean, first of all, what an asshole in the first place, not to think of inviting him to the rap party. I didn't think of it until I was on the way to it. So I'm driving down PCH in Malibu, like on the way to this thing. And I'm like, well, it's not like you had anything going on other than like no, organizing, no. you know, 20,000 vendors and yeah. people for the conference. So I'm, I'm dealing with having missed my daughter's birthday party the day before. So, you know, yeah. trying to make up for that. I've got my kids in tow for this thing. They came to the rap party, the whole thing. But thank God I thought of it. And I just, I called you. I was only like 10, 15 minutes away from the thing. Anyway. Yeah. So, yeah. So he calls me up and, and intros me. And then I was like, Hey, should I say a few words? And I can see Corey's like, he's, he's gotta be thinking like, uh Oh, like, who's this firefighter? This guy's going to be, you know, but I'm like, Hey man, you know, like he didn't know he had a ringer there, you know, he's like, so got up there, gave the story. There were some good laughs. 
and um, actually got a chance to talk to Michael Saylor afterwards, who was like talking about the incident and came up and said, thanks. So for me, that was like, wow. Um, yeah, unbelievable. So cool, man. Yeah. And, and not to get, you know, I know we're going to get into the conference, but like, uh, Corey, I mean, just unbelievable conference. Uh, if you guys weren't there this year, I mean, just the vibes that, yeah, the education, the vibes, the, the presenters, uh, the, the whole experience like was unbelievable, of course, enhanced by this like feel good story, but like the conference is out of this world. So, uh, really good. Yeah. We've heard some good things about it. Corey, we, I know Dan's wanting to hear about this and I am too. I want to hear some of your opinions about FTX and there's so much shit that's gone down in the last week or two that it's like hard to even manage or keep <laughs> up with it. And I, I'm sure you saw, uh, you actually had some uh, retweets on like SBF who, I don't know who it was, who had some DMS with them. It was a reporter, a reporter from Vox. So you obviously read the entire thing. It's insane. Like that this guy is actually saying any of this shit. He must not even have talked to a lawyer at this point, but he's a completely fake person. And the reason that he was opening up to that reporter is because almost all of Vox's budget and my understanding is supplied by the political act political action committee funded by his mom. Really? So that's why he thought he was talking to a friend. Interesting. Holy cow. So both Holy of his parents cow. are lawyers or law, law um, professors, law right? professors, but they're super active politically and have raised like hundreds of millions of dollars for uh, get out the vote stuff uh, all on the democratic side. Would you be, Crazy. would you be willing to kind of give us the synopsis of like the maybe two to three minute sure. I, uh, synopsis of how this happened, what happened and just give us the play by play. And maybe we'll, you know, chime in here and there and talk. Sure. Shit. Yeah. I mean, I, I can tell you kind of from my perspective, uh, you know, obviously watched, I mean, I, I guess I was an active participant and combatant in helping Luna go to zero in uh, March and April. And then it collapsed. And <laughs> you participated May. wonderfully participated. Yeah. yeah. You got a medal for that. Didn't you? Aren't you where, don't you have a chest of arms? Yeah. I have some kind, there's like a, an engraved staff of sorts that was given to me at the conference. Um, I, interestingly, it, I actually won the uh, Bitcoin standard bearer award for 2021. So I don't know what they give me for 2022. <laughs> uh, yeah. I mean, sniper, I don't know. Snipe the, the, the sniper award taking headshots. Yeah. And not missing one. Well, so I made this joke with safety and cause uh, we were, uh, he's so good at just like cutting right to the core with like one line of poetry. It's very sort of like the Arabic tradition of having the perfect line. They're the best poets in the world. And like, so he just, he just cuts like a knife or cuts like a sword. And I was like, yeah, I kind of just like bludgeon shit coiners with blunt objects, but often and with much force. <laughs> <laughs> Dude, his, his mother asshole Quote from, from 2022 it's it's up there for the best bitcoiner quote of 2022 line of the year wait wait, wait. what's the mother asshole quote tell me that what quote. He, he called ethereum the mother asshole of shit coins <laughs> on, i think it was on lex Friedman's the mother podcast. asshole from which all shit coins spring <laughs> <laughs> i listened to that but it for some reason i just don't remember that line but i'm gonna have to re-listen oh. to it because that is fucking poetic right there it's so good it's like it's like the god springing from zeus's head but it's like the other the <laughs> asshole <laughs> oh my god we know you've done this like 18 times, but there's no rest for the maxi when shit coins are blowing up. So give us the rundown here. This year specifically, it was three, right? So I went really hard at Luna 
And then I went really hard at Celsius, which kind of sprung from Luna. And that was because they made the dumb move to brag about having taken half a billion dollars of customer funds out of Luna. And it now appears that they were just all boils on the asshole of FTX in the end. I mean, they're all boils on the asshole of all shit coinery. Like I put out yesterday, like, you know, this isn't even like a level, this isn't even a level three boss. SBF is like a level two boss, <laughs> like on a scale of one to 10. Are we talking Dragon Ball Z bosses? Mashinsky was like, you know, if you have to give everybody a number, he's level one, right? Um, but level three is like Andreessen Horowitz, uh, Vitalik, you know, there's there's some some bigger beasts. And then we'll be done with crypto. And, you know, it'd be great to not have to fight, you know, the varsity team, but these guys are all junior varsity. Um, anyway, so when Celsius collapsed, then a bunch of the other CFI lenders collapsed, BlockFi, Voyager, and then Sam started getting really famous, right? Because he was coming in and supposedly trying to bail these guys out. Yeah, he's the JP Morgan of crypto. That's what the PR thing was doing. And that's what, you know, New York Times and everybody was putting those headlines out. And I was looking at it and I was like, there's no fucking way this guy is doing it unless it's positive ROI for him. Like he must be making money. So he must have exposure to these businesses or he wouldn't be trying to save them. And I said that on every TV appearance, all May, June, July, questioning the narrative, poking at it, came up with, uh, <laughs> I like coming up with nicknames for these guys. So started calling him scam bankster fraud a few months back. Uh, <laughs> no one had they likes. almost got it. So the headline in New York magazine today, the number one story on New York magazine uh, calls him uh, scam, scam bankman fraud. So they almost got it right. But uh, yeah, gangster fraud is better. Anyway, so I mean, I I did a lot of this with, you know, I went on Coindesk a few different times, obviously, and their whole editorial team knows me and I do their I do their Bitcoin show with Christine Lee quite often. Um, And so when someone we still don't know who passed Ian Allison, one of their editors, uh, the Alameda balance sheet, uh, he got in touch with me and sent me the balance sheet. And I analyzed it for him and told him what I saw in it, which became the article that came out 15 days ago. I'm the big, you know, paragraph, paragraph long quote in that story. And the whole story is basically the things that I talked about with Ian. Wait, to pause here real quick. Yeah. I know you knew that that balance sheet was going to be fucked. Mm-hmm. Was it way more fucked than you anticipated? Or what was your initial reaction in parsing through there it? There wasn't much on it. I was expecting a lot more assets than what they had. Uh, I was expecting like much larger piles of like Bitcoin, for instance, and like real assets, not just and a like lot more dollars. Ugazi. Yeah. Yeah. A lot more dollars. But the fact that their whole balance sheet was, you know, almost all just dog shit, shit coins, not even, not even good shit coins, like really bad shit coins. <laughs> it yeah. was like clearly just completely fake. And I thought the best way to sum it up was just pointing out, you know, their net equity or their retained equity, uh, way over half of it was just one. FTT, which is their own damn company that printed it out of thin air and gave it to them. Yep. Um, so it seemed really clear that that was a huge problem. Wow. So I'm curious, like obviously F, or, um, CZ and SBF had some beef uh, having to do with the regulations in DC. So it's my understanding that he acquired a bunch of FTT last year from he got paid for having sold his equity share, correct? Exactly. Yeah. So he was in, he was the you know one of the seed investors to start. FTX. And when they sold it last year in 2021 and didn't want to be on the cap table anymore because they were clearly yeah. competing, uh, they paid them in, uh, I think it was $2.1 billion split between uh, FTT and BNB. 
Right. So he saw an opportunity to not only offload FTT and get some money out of it while simultaneously yeah. deep sixing a competitor. Like beautiful. Coindesk like picks the lock and like nudged the door open just a little bit. And then CZ came through with a fucking battering ram and just blew the door off and said, I'm yeah. going to sell over half a billion dollars of FTT on the open market. And then it was just like, I liked what Lynn Alden said this week of it wasn't a Ponzi. It wasn't a casino. It was a Ponzi built on a casino. Great and quote. We've all known that this stuff is as vapid and hollow as it gets, but it actually surprised me. It was so, so hollow and so devoid of any fundamentals. It actually, it actually surprised me, which is something I didn't think would happen. Yeah. I hope there's a lesson in here, man, honestly, because like there's, there's nothing different about Sam Bankman fried than from Vitalik. Really like they're the same dude. It's word salad. It's bullshit. It's faux intellectualism. It's platitudes. It's shibboleths to use uh, Sam's own word. Like it's just a bunch of shit that sounds good that passes like, you know, in polite society because Bitcoiners are so mean. I think while we're having three firemen on this episode, ultimately, why do we care about this? We're unpacking fraud and Ponzi schemes and and all this. Well, why does this matter? It's because there's actual people on the other side of it. Yep. Uh, Preston went on with Peter McCormick just recently, and I really liked what he did in this one part. He He said, let's quantify money that disappears. Let's consider the work, the outlay, the toil that goes into say eight or 16 or $32 billion. I don't have the math right in front of me, but I thought it through. I was like, it was something along the line of, if you take our agency, we have about 50 firefighters to, to make up $8 billion worth of money that disappears. You're talking about literally years, like over a thousand years, right? Yeah. Of, of labor. Yeah. Um, and yes, I understand a lot of people that were exposed in these ways uh, shouldn't have been, but these are a lot of real people on the other side of this. And I think at yeah. our core, what we're ultimately passionate about is allowing people to get to another level of financial freedom, to take control of their financial future in a new way, to provide for their family in a manner yeah. that wouldn't be possible if they didn't have this asset in hand. So when we when we rail against the crypto industry and against shit coins, which we've been doing for a year and a half, and we rub people the wrong way, which often happens, we're doing it out of a place of love and conviction because we actually care about our peers and our listenership. And th this is why this stuff matters. One of us knows someone very well that was really affected this week in a way that honestly makes me want to cry. You know what I mean? These are real people that lost real money. And there is a place of protection. There's a place of fundamentals. And it is so hard for people to understand this when they're first in the space that these two, these two classes, crypto and Bitcoin, are not just different. They're polar opposite. And that's why we need education. That's the whole point of what we're doing, what Swan's doing, because it takes, it doesn't happen overnight. It takes dozens or hundreds or thousands of hours for this to click for the average person like ourselves. It's not only understanding the asset, but then understanding how to take possession of that asset mm. or, you know, understanding the real fundamental reasons why you shouldn't allow someone else to hold your keys. Um, it, it It's something that people just don't appreciate because they're so used to this traditional financial market where fidelity is trustworthy. Like they can hold your stocks. That's fine. But when it comes to this kind of an asset class, 
and these new companies that have literally just started pro proliferating in the last couple of years, you can't necessarily trust them. They're not insured by anybody. They, this is just, you know, most of them are shitcoin trading DeFi schemes underneath the underbelly. And you have no idea how capitalized they are. You have no idea, you know, if they're going to go belly up in the next day or two. It's um, and obviously this is an obvious statement to say this week, but it wasn't obvious to most people, especially people who were very early on or didn't have a full understanding of the implications of what this asset means to, you know, taking actual possession of it. Go ahead, Dom. Yeah, I was just going to say, I mean, Corey, what do you think the chances are? Hopefully, I mean, it's a lot of work and I don't know if anyone's going to do it, but um, getting a sense of the percentages, the overall damage when the smoke clears, however the chips fall of like institutional money lost versus retail money lost, how some of the other chips like the Genesis or the BlockFi's, depending on what happens with them, like, you know, because there's funds within funds within funds, right? And so there's even non-crypto people here potentially affected um, from funds that were involved in this that, you know, you know, thought that they were working with responsible financial uh, shepherds who, 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 you know, made a terrible, terrible uh, oversight. Well, remember, Quebec, Quebec took, put a bunch of money into Celsius. And Teachers then, fund, uh, right? It was Ontario put a ton of money into FTX. So right there, you've got real pension money in there. Um, not to mention that a ton of pension funds are LPs in venture funds that invested in FTX, right? So uh, yeah, it's pretty ugly. I, don't know, I, I did quick back of the envelope math, but I mean, seriously, you can just think of like if 100 billion of market cap was destroyed between the private market cap of FTX, the 60 billion from Luna and UST and like, you know, a bunch more, obviously, you know, marginal dollars make market cap go up a bit more, but let's say that was the number and then, you know, divide by a hundred grand a year. It's a million man years. Wow. That is value destroyed. When you put it that way, it is so much more gut wrenching to hear, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, ultimately I, I know in, in the mind of some, this is a, a callous thing to say, but I, I think it's truth. Events like these are so good for Bitcoin. I sent this thread yesterday and uh, it parlays some on an article I published in Bitcoin Magazine back in July, which basically the foundation of it was that fragility of a financial system mandates intervention and intervention is inherently inequitable over time. And when we don't let these things reset, as even people with the best of intentions, incentives get backwards, right? So as we look at just just the microcosm of the crypto forest fire, if we will, and I know you actually get these in your area, Dom, so maybe you can lend an actual firefighting perspective on this. But I sent this thread yesterday about giant sequoias. My favorite place in the United States is Yosemite. And I love those groves in Yosemite. I've spent some time there over the years. And I know I, I like they need fire to survive. They need the canopy to be cleared so sunlight can get through. It's foundational to the, the the longevity and the perpetual nature of that species. And so these events, like we get to see who the sequoias are, right? I kind of I framed Bitcoin is the fertile soil. It's the most fertile monetary soil that's ever existed. And whatever giant sequoias remain after these events, those are the, those are the people that were building the right way, right? And, and in an ethical, long time frame manner. But you don't get to see that if the fire doesn't burn. Yeah, and so as painful it is as it is in the short run, 
A, it demonstrates the uniqueness and value proposition of Bitcoin, and B, it allows responsible players in the marketplace to survive and grow over time. Yeah, I think I think you know long term for sure. Um, just sharing some conversations, you know, one of the areas that I'm interested after the union work is done is is um, educating uh, unions, uh, which I know you guys do some within your own um, on Bitcoin. But the response, of course, you know, I've, I've put some feelers out and I know you guys have done the same, not even asking about FTX, just saying like, hey, have you thought about Bitcoin on the balance sheet? And a lot of the responses are never knew much about it to start other than people are losing out big, stay away. And you're like, all right, the education is going to have to come on bigger here because obviously they're looking at short term, right? They're not talking about long term stuff. So, I mean, it's. I think long term, I, I it will be good, but the education is going to have to double, triple, quadruple down, which the Bitcoin community already does so well. There's so many great folks out there yeah. and they speak from a place of like long term holding and passion. Um, yeah. Swan leads the charge on some of that stuff, or most of that stuff, to be honest. And it's. It's really good what you guys have put together on Swan Bitcoin's website. I was taking a look the other day and um, you've aggregated some really good shit. And one thing I saw that I haven't seen in a while and I've read it, I read it a couple of years ago is uh, Brandon Quinton's, um, what was the, what's mushroom? it called? I forget the title, the mushroom. Mycelium. Mycelium, yeah. that's it. Yeah, that yeah. is a, such a cool idea the way he sewed all of that together. Corey, I want to pick your brain on how you think this whole shit show circus situation in the last couple of weeks is going to affect the potential ETF ever coming on board. You see Gensler hardening mm -hmm. up against that, or do you think that this new regulation probably much closer on the horizon than maybe it was just recently is going to have a positive effect on that? Yeah, I don't know. I mean, I think uh, there's still so much shadiness and manipulation of the asset price right by all these unregulated entities and the fake orders and fake volumes and wash trading and shit so as long as so much of the volume is happening on exchanges that are not regulated by u.s institutions you know for better or worse they have a pretty pretty strong leg to stand on to say let's put this thing off right you know so I, i'm not holding my breath for it which sucks because i converted you know some old 401ks or whatever into GBTC a long ass time yeah. ago and we're in the same boat, got, man. I, like you know it got down to like you know a 15 percent discount and i was like ah shit should i just eat it ah that shit will bounce back what is it like 40 it's like 40 discount, discount right yeah. now it's yeah. so brutal and there's all these rumors of like you know now there's all these rumors of uh all of dcg potentially going bankrupt and like the whole fucking thing going into receivership like we'll see what happens <laughs> but uh anyway yeah total insane, total disaster man. i i don't actually count my gbtc as like part of my net worth anymore do you think <laughs> oh yeah maybe i should i don't want to hear that don't even say that uh that just hurts anyway <laughs> Do you think uh, do you think we're kind of at the end of this forest fire or do you think that there's still some more dominoes that could go down on this? What do you think? I think there's a bunch of people that are going to try to do that have huge holes in their balance sheet. They're going to try to do what Celsius did, which is try to recover somehow and raise some more money and paper it over and never tell anyone, which is what FTX did, which is what Three Arrows did. Uh, I think there's 100 crypto funds out there right now trying to figure out how to cover over the 
hole in their balance sheet from having fucked up this year. Mm, the and, option of creating your own coin is kind of evaporating quick. You're gonna have to think of something else. I'm curious, Corey, what do you think? I mean, how many banks that hold accounts for different you know, projects are calling saying, hey, um, talk to the board at this time. We got to close you out, send your funds. Like we're just mm -hmm. kind of rethinking some things because that is obviously very disruptive to any company. Payroll, all those things. And a lot of these yeah. tokens there, I mean, I got to think there has to be some of that going on where banks are saying, we're going to take a big step back and here's your dollars back. And like, right. thanks. Um, and that alone, you know, if you're in the middle of trying to raise money yeah. and recover is catastrophic. Yeah, I think a lot of the crypto industry, all the funds and the projects are mostly banked by Silvergate and Signature. So those kind of two banks. And so they're kind of in the thick of it, too. Um, and their fees are pretty high. So they like the customers as long as they keep paying the fees. So my guess is that's probably not that much of an existential risk. I mean, it's a huge pain in the butt to get debanked. We used Citibank uh, up until last month, right before this stuff. Uh, and they debanked us on a Tuesday, a few days before payroll, right before the end of the month in October. Uh, no email, no phone call, no snail mail letter, and no access to your funds. And I had to raise hell with their venture group, my friends in their investment bank. Finally, after like four or five days, I got them to move that balance back to the, uh, the branch ledger uh, near my house so that I could go in and actually get a cashier's check. And, uh, and we could do it. But yeah, I mean, if we were not in a better financial position, you know, or if we had had like all our money at Citibank, I mean, egregious to shut you down like that. And yeah. then all they were doing is issuing a paper check by snail mail to go to my old home address where I haven't lived for like a year and a half. And then Crazy. I was going to have to like track that down somehow with no mail forwarding. And like, I mean, and, and you can't talk to anybody. You, you literally can't speak to anybody. They can't tell you why you got turned off. Uh, and you can't speak to the department. Not only that, no one inside of Citibank can speak to the department that issues the checks. They are accessible only by email. It's a hidden department that disperses the funds so they can hang on to it for as long as possible. It's funny because people, people always talked about an exchange is like, it's scary. There's no one to talk to uh, that can help you. And I'm like, but there is at the bank. Like, you know, no. have you tried to call? Like, that's yeah. Weird. Yeah. I was talking to my, my own personal accountants this morning about a uh, uh, IRS refund. And, uh, and they said, yeah, just like, don't bother calling. Like no one's been able to get a hold of anyone at the IRS for the last month and a half. Um, so, you know, you can basically look it up on the website every week or two. And, you know, there's like a where's my refund site and that's about it. But you can't actually get anybody on the phone. And even them, when they get through and they have like a preferred access line, most of the time, the agent that picks up for them just hangs up on them. One thing I wanted to ask, Corey, because I think for some newcomers, they may be sitting here going, why does this keep happening? Like, what are the incentives behind the shitcoin machine? And reading your recent A16Z thread, and mm -hmm. I've heard you say this before, you... you mention a regulatory and information arbitrage play essentially yep. that these shit coiners are making yeah uh, those are big words for some folks explain what you mean by that why do people keep doing this what opportunity has existed and you see that window closing as a result of of some of this these events okay so <clears throat> if you are a crypto vc 
you only need two slides in a fundraising deck to raise LP funds. One is short time to liquidity, which means we can create this thing. We don't need revenue. We don't need product market fit. Yep. We don't need to create anything of value, but we can be selling it on these exchanges to retail right away. Because we're unregistered. Yep. Unregistered securities, yeah. Yep. And then the second one is um, we can make our own weather. And that means you can say, when you're unregulated, you can say anything that you want about the product and claim that your crypto blockchain DeFi magic will solve this, that, or the other when it won't. And you can say whatever you want. And you can market it however you want to whoever you want, as long as you're in this brief moment in time where there's the information arbitrage, where the marks, the people, the dumb institutional and the retail that are buying it from you don't know. And you're using your credibility as like Andreessen Horowitz or Union Square Ventures or CAA celebrities, whatever. You're using your credibility, your access to the media, the fact that there's like, what, two Bitcoiners that get on mass mainstream media regularly. It's like me and Natalie. And yeah. then there's like some tweeners that are mostly crypto scammers, but sometimes talk about Bitcoin like pomp. And then otherwise it's all just like Novogratz and a bunch of crypto fund managers, basically. Right. There's like yeah. two people who actually care about Bitcoin that get on TV. Um, and then the regulatory arbitrage, you know, obviously is just that the stuff lives inappropriately in a gray zone. The laws on the books don't need to be changed. They, they can be applied to this stuff as is. Um, the big game afoot here the last couple of years, spearheaded by Coinbase, Ethereum Foundation, Andreessen Horowitz, Paradigm, and in particular, Sam Bankman-Fried and FTX, has been to try to uh, take oversight of crypto, non-Bitcoin crypto, away from the SEC and put it under the CFTC, the Commodity Futures yep. Commission in Chicago, right? And that's what they've been trying to do. They've been dangling all this money and saying, hey, you can charge us a ton of fees if you'll only regulate us with a light hand and get us away from securities land. Right. And, you know, unfortunately for those scamming fucks, they let Sam Bankman Fried take the lead and do all this DC lobbying and spend all this money and, you know, whatever in, in DC. And this is who they bet on. And they bet on the wrong horse. And I think they're super fucked. And they passed the Howie test with flying colors, which oh, Gensler's been on record. I mean, even if we take Ethereum, the next best competitor, Gensler's on record walking through why it passes the Howie test with flying yeah. colors. Yeah, of course. We're, we're talking basics, but again, for newcomers, like if you're interested in decentralized censorship resistant money, uh, even to take the, the Ethereum case study, it's, it's completely fucked. I mean, you're going to have regulatory onslaught here. These things are securities because they fit the definition. Crypto exchanges and companies are going to need to register with the SEC. Like it seems like, a, and then you 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 consider the proof of stake move where all the power players are already in the back pocket. Like it's right. yeah. there's not a lot of gray here, in my opinion. It's already pretty scripted, and there's there's only one ship headed for the land of freedom here. I mean, but it's pretty clear at this point that simply they've bought off these regulators. I mean, or influenced them in some way. Maybe it's not monetary. I'm sure it is in some degree. But I mean, SBF's entire namesake as far as I can tell, has been basically buying politicians and buying regulators and yep. 
positioning themselves in a place where they can, you know, go to the CFTC and, and put themselves in a position to create a moat around their business and take a monopoly position. Yep. That, that was their attempt. I have got a close friend that lost a significant amount of money in this. And for people listening that are in that same boat, <clears throat> I mean, we feel terrible for them and it sucks. And, you know, we reached out to some people that could maybe give them a lending hand, but I'm sure there's a lot of listeners or at least a good sort of them that probably are in the same position. Is there any advice you have for what these people can do besides, you know, join a class action lawsuit and hope that they can get some percentage of their money back? What's your, uh, if you have anything to say about that, what would you give them? How would you give them advice? Yeah, I mean, that, that's really it. Obviously, you know, use the tools that you can and do the research to try to recover uh, what they've stolen from you. Um, but then after that, just, you know, recognize I've had very expensive lessons in my life. Mm, yeah. Most yeah. people have, right? You know, yep. you either spent years on something that didn't work out or you spent a bunch of money on something that didn't work out. And I've done both multiple times. Um, For sure. And yep. if you're still alive and you can still, you know, get around and have some of your health or all of it and, you know, spend time with people that matter and then kind of retrench and think about, you know, what were you actually in this for? Uh, you know, a buddy, a buddy of mine who got all his Bitcoin off of Voyager in May because of me, uh, wrote me this morning and said that his wife was still keeping all of her Bitcoin in Gemini Earn. Oh my God. Aren't they he'd associated been telling, with, uh, He'd been telling her for six months to get it out of there. And she was just like, you know, slow about it or didn't care. And she was like, oh, it's the Winklevi. Like, you know, like crypto needs rules. They're like the regulatory guys. Like they're all, all the way up the ass of the banks and the government. Of course they wouldn't screw around. Yeah. Um, the Winklevi. The Winklevi. I, I love it when people say that. <laughs> Well, I want I wanted to ask Dom real quick, and then do your Dom segment. Dom, can we're all going to be hanging out in uh, Indianapolis for the uh, the big Indianapolis Firefighters Convention? What is it, April twenty fourth through the 29th? So we'll go down there for a couple of days. We're gonna we're gonna sponsor a booth or something for Josh and Dan. Uh, we've got two <laughs> FDIC, senior guys. Yeah. yeah, yeah, FDIC. Yeah. So you guys, we're doing that. We got two guys in Indy, including Dante, the guy who runs. Uh, the product that we're launching with you guys uh, next month, which is Swan Premium. Um, anyway, so yeah, we've got something to look forward to uh, before Pacific Bitcoin next fall. We're doing the firefighter convention. You're going to have to go ride some fire trucks, do some ride time, get up at three times in the middle of the night and get no sleep and you yeah. know, go home and nap during the day. Lots of Shake Shack. Lots of Shake Shack. Late, late night go. Shake Shack over there. This will be my second time going if I go this year. I, I went in 2009, I think. I, I've never been, actually. You know, I've never been. No. I've heard the story, so I might have to join you guys. I'll it's see, a good uh, time. It's a good oh, time yeah. there. Yes. I got, I got your flight if you can uh, get the time off. Oh, dude. All right. That, that's, uh, I'll, I'll, uh, I'll see if I can swing that, you know? Uh, Corey, if you're going to fly us there, we only go private. So yeah. uh, oh, you guys have to charter nice. a private that's jet nice. for us. Which one of you guys, which one of you guys is going to be the pilot for the two seater? <laughs> you know what? I will we'll figure it out. I can, I can fly a 152. No problem. Guaranteed. Okay. Josh is go. actually a big time aviation nerd, by the I way. Am, he probably could figure it out in time. Yeah. Dude, I, fl I play flight simulator 2020, man. I, I can fly a 152. Indy's not that far guys. You're in Chicago. Like should be fine. A lot of flat land there to land plane. So you're good. Dude. Yeah, dude, you're good. You can hit a cornfield. You're not going to die. You might be pretty <laughs> yeah. fucked up, but you're not going to die. 
<laughs> I was going to transition. Just, Dom, give us more of your Bitcoin insights. I want to transition this to, we, we hit a little bit of this, but maybe we'll, we'll close with a little bit of this vibe. Takeaways for existing and future plebs that are out there earning wages, whatever that might be, whether they're firefighters or iron workers or garbage men that, that want to protect their hard-earned capital, you can take this wherever you want. More about your journey, kind of how you perceive this at your agency. Mike's yours. Yeah. So, so, you know, I'll preface it by saying, of course, feel free to correct me on anything. You know, you guys have a lot of uh, uh, institutional foundational knowledge on Bitcoin, but um, I've read the white paper a few times. So that's always a good place to start. Like I literally encourage people the the Satoshi white paper is an amazing read for non-technical readers, especially let's just say the first half, right? When we get to the second half on the, on the equations, it gets, it gets a lot thicker, but um, no, I mean, I think, I think something that I'm very interested in and going to be working on a lot, you know, is I, I've been for the last, you know, year, six months to a year working on educating legislators on Bitcoin, helping them understand the difference. And really just with some of our folks, I, 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 I give a, a very simple, people always come up cause they, you know, you guys get the same thing. You're in the space and they go, what should I do? What should I buy? And it's like very simple. Some of it is investing one-on-one, but it's like, Hey, for me, I don't put money in that I can't afford to lose rule. Number one, uh, rule number two, I'm very much, I've had a ledger for four or five years. Uh, have upgraded along the way. I don't know, you know, different people have different ideas about wallets. I get it. Mm -hmm. Um, But I've always been a fan of cold storage. That's like the first time that I kind of fell in love with Bitcoin because having this feeling when you're at work, knowing like there could be a bank run, there could be catastrophe, like my, what I've invested in is safe. I'm not worried. So like, let it all happen. Like I'm interested from an observational point, but not a participant point. Um, and, and the third thing is um, invest in Bitcoin with the intent not to return that Bitcoin to fiat. Hold it, like like have that for life. Just like I, if I buy a property, I wanna hold it for life unless I'm gonna exchange it for a like property. There is no like property that is like Bitcoin. Mm. So buy it and hold it. You can borrow against it years down the road, a decade from now, but don't sell it and and look at it from that lens. Why would you want to sell something that is naturally scarce, becoming more scarce as it's becoming more adopted? Um, and and yep. I think I've had some good conversations with folks that have like um, done that and and not tried to like, I'm going to put, you know, five grand into Bitcoin because I'll have 40 and I can buy a truck. Like, no, nah, you, you just, it's just yeah. bad for anything in the world. Um, and then another big thing, the last thing, is, you know, I really got interested in reading the story about the Silk Road. It's so funny because I know it's a bad association because it was the dark web and like that's like the go-to for- It's an interesting people. story though, it really is. It, it really is because you think about like where else would an early currency, a digital peer-to-peer currency have gotten a beta test of the size of a Silk Road in, in, in you know, on, on Amazon or Apple. And so I think one of the areas that I'm like really interested to get involved in is like 
I was talking to a friend the other day and I said, hey, what would it, what do you think would excite people more if Apple adopted Bitcoin as a, as you know, through Apple Pay or if OfferUp switched to Bitcoin as a primary exchange for sellers and buyers? And I think the answer mostly would be Apple because of the brand and the hype. But I look at like OfferUp and I look at like, you know, the peer to peer exchange and that excites me to like really have Bitcoin be a non third party like, hey, Dan, Josh, like uh, I, I may get something from you or we may do something in the future where I'm just going to send my wallet to yours and that's it. We're done. Uh, we're not going to do any of this like third party stuff. And that that there, I think, still lies the beauty of Bitcoin. And I think that's a great area that that will be, you know, adoption will be naturally getting towards that. Um, so I'm really excited and looking to educate, especially unions more. It's just tough when these negative things happen, of course, because they don't understand the difference. But but we will we'll teach them for sure. The real bummer about this whole situation, people watch this stuff go down and they associate Bitcoin with it. And this is the the best time to buy that I've seen in two years at minimum. Like this is the time when people should be Battening down the hatches, buying as much as they comfortably want to, putting it in cold storage and forgetting about it for another 10 years at minimum. Um, just a couple of things that before we end this, I think are messages that we should give to people that are listening. Like, number one, clear your funds from exchanges. If you're listening to this and you haven't, yes. and there's an exchange that you have your money on, get that shit off of there as soon as you can. If you don't have a hardware wallet, I mean, maybe this is a bit of a stretch and Corey, tell me if you disagree. I would put my money on a software wallet on my phone right now rather than keep it on an exchange and then get a <laughs> hardware wallet ordered and get that shit off of your phone onto that hardware wallet as soon as you can. I would prefer, you know, cold card. That's my preference, but you choose whatever you want, a Trezor, Ledger, whatever. And I always tell people, Josh, like, hey, start with small dollars, transfer $10 of Bitcoin back and forth a couple of times. Right. And yeah. When you tell them that, it's they come up to you the next day and they go, dude, I got everything on there. It's like the easiest thing in the world. And it's exactly. amazing. And, and it's, it's like. It is. I, I understand like people's apprehension about it. Like it seems complicated. Like you have to write all these words down. You got to get a seed plate or some kind of metal plate to put your seeds on. Like that stuff can come later. Like get it, first of all, off those exchanges as quickly as you can. Um, use a, a good solid place that doesn't want you to keep your Bitcoin there. Swan is an obvious example. Strike also does that. Like buy it from a place where you can get it off very quickly, where you can put it on your own shit. And a place that's not going to distract noobs, right? Yeah, we, we said exactly. this in a spaces earlier in the week. The problem with yeah. directing people to Coinbase is there's just stuff flying everywhere. There's bullshit everywhere, right? If you want to harness education material, which everybody needs to dive into, you need to direct them to a spot that has good, sound resources. And it, their, and is, their revenue model isn't off them gambling, right? Right. So it's, it's more than yep. just the functionality of encouraging cold storage. It's what are they going to be exposed to as they begin their learning journey? Exactly. Okay, so down my list, one last thing here, which is if you're really that apprehensive about it and you're really scared, go to Casa or go to Unchained. They make it very easy. And if you really, really need the help, you can pay them to help you. And I think, I don't know if Unchained is still doing it, but they typically charge $1,000, but they give you like 800 of it or something like that back in Bitcoin if you use their white yeah. glove service. So go to yeah. one of those places, help, have them help you hold your hand. And you know it's really simple once you have it done in retrospect. 
Maybe yeah. on the surface it looks kind of complicated to some people, but it really isn't. It's pretty easy. Hey, you guys there. need to start a you guys need to start a blue glove service. Because you guys are you guys are anti white glove service, dude. So I, I there, that's, By the that's way, a genius. The blue, glove, the blue glove service is Swan is Bitcoin's customer service team. It's swan.com slash support. That's where people get their support on wallets. You don't need to pay a ton of money. Uh, we will help. Uh, we keep everything updated as far as like our recommendations at swan.com slash wallets. But uh, yeah, I mean, we, we help anybody with a wallet set up. Corey, before, before we end this, I want to see you do that swan motif again. Can you do that? How did like, show me how that I, worked. No, it's just this. That's it. Just right yes. here. Okay. Yep. All right. The swan swan neck. Yeah. You gotta, you gotta, you gotta hang the swan on him. When you make the three pointer, you gotta hang the swan <laughs> <Yeah>. on him. <laughs> hey. I gave you the mic, Corey, for that story in the beginning. I still think there's a remote possibility it's complete bullshit. And that was like take number eight where you hit that 30 footer. I don't know. I'm going to have to see. Yeah, I, to got, I, got, I got 40 people to yell <laughs> oh! for like 90 seconds straight. What, like a well-orchestrated mate could have been a well-orchestrated yeah. scam. I don't know. I'm yeah. not going to trust. I'm going to have to verify when I see you in person on a basketball court. There's too many AI tools out there these days. I don't. I got I don't the know. same crew from the moon landing. So, you know, they are pretty good. <laughs> Uh, yeah. listen guys, we're setting up, uh, so Swan premium is launching. We're collecting people for the wait list right now. So this is like, uh, just like a ton of great resources, mad discounts, uh, private webinars, um, extra content that you can't just get from the blog. So this is going to be something that we'll probably sell Well, we are, we're selling it for like 20 bucks a month. Mm -hmm. Uh, I just wrote the team. We're going to set up swan.com slash fire mm. and it's going to be free for all firefighters nationwide. Sweet. Wow, that's epic. That is that is yeah. unreal. Y'all heard it here first. Brothers yeah. and sisters, get on it. Swan.com slash fire, free lifetime membership in Swan Premium uh, for watching this show. Hell yeah. That is very, very cool. generous and we appreciate it. Yeah. Um, this was a blast. I'm going to just throw in one last thing in my two cents, which is even a step back from Bitcoin for the for the wage earner, for the middle class member. Free up your cash flow. You can't access opportunities in market conditions if you don't have free cash flow. Stay out of stupid debt, stay out of stupid leverage, and educate yourself. Right? If you're a career firefighter or paramedic, you're probably taking your career really seriously, taking classes, continuing education. Take the way you store that hard-earned capital seriously. Educate yourself on that as well. Um and nobody yep. can do that for you, right? Bitcoin redefines ownership in the digital age. And there's a lot of resources to help you, but you have to educate yourself and take ownership yourself. Absolutely. I love that Matt O'Dell saying to stay humble and stack sats because it sounds so like obvious in the, uh, the times other than what we're looking at right now. But right now it seems ingenious. Like all he's saying is don't be an idiot. Don't get over leveraged. Just buy the shit consecutively and consistently and put it in cold storage and forget about it. And you're going to be fine. Amen. Buy Bitcoin and fall asleep for five years. Preston Pish, 2022. It. It's a great That's message. It. Hey, wait till, wait till someone is like, hey, how much is that in Bitcoin, right? And you're like, what about dollars? And you're like, I mean, I don't even know. But <laughs> are we going to make a deal or what? Because I'm trying to figure out how much in Bitcoin it is. And you're like... Hmm, I wonder what I'm sitting on right now. Like, oh, okay, uh, we might we might be flying that private flight to uh, FDIC, you know. So, <laughs> um, yeah, no, it's it's uh, 
Hey, I, I want to thank, before we go, I want to thank you guys for having me on. I want to thank Corey for so graciously involving me in the weekend to kind of share this amazing story. Um, I can't wait till next year. I uh, want to connect with you all. And, and of course, you know, I'm going to be working very hard to further um, uh, educate labor as a whole and find ways where labor can see um, ways in which Bitcoin uh, and, and the efforts of Bitcoiners fit directly with the efforts of labor. Because at the end of the day, right, we're looking to preserve our time, our value over years to come and pass it on to, to our family. So um, very excited to, to do a lot more work with you guys. And uh, the show goes on, you know. The show goes on. Thanks, Jen. Thanks. It was a pleasure, Dom. Thanks, Corey. Thank you, guys. Thanks, guys. Thanks so much for listening into the show. If you enjoyed this discussion, be sure to like or subscribe on whatever app you're using for podcasts or on YouTube. And if you have an extra minute, go ahead and leave us a review. We are also active on Twitter at blue underscore collar BTC. And our email address is blue collar Bitcoin podcast at gmail.com. We invite questions, comments, or inquiries of any kind. We look forward to you joining us again on the BCB podcast. Yeah, 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 yeah.